if you have your Bibles with you this evening, I want you to turn with me to the book of John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. When you find that, you could, you could keep a bookmark there, keep you know, one of your fingers there while you look also for 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. John 10.10 10 and 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. John 10, 10 says this. It says, the, key, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I want to read this in 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. It says this. It says, the Lord said, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. And this is what God wants you and I to know. First off, that what the enemy thinks he has taken is not his. It's not his. And that God has given us the boldness and the courage, amen, to take a stand and take back what is rightfully ours. What God has blessed us with and what God wants us, amen, to be blessed with. How many of you want your relationships to be a blessing in your life? Yes? All right. Just a few of you. All right. There's more. I'm sure you do. And all of these areas that we're going to get into this series, God wants you, amen, to be blessed by these things. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 7, we find our text for this evening. Judges chapter 2 and verse 7. I'm going to skip some verses here. I'm going to just follow along here. Verse 7, it says, The Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. How many Joshuas do we have in here? Those that have seen God work in their lives. How many, have, how many have you seen God at work? You've witnessed it, amen? Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing like it. Verse 10 says, After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Verse 12 says they abandoned the Lord, worshiping the gods of the people around them. Verse 14 says this, this made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole, check that out, who stole their possessions. Verse 15, every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated. And the people were in great distress. Help me to pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, for your word brings life. Lord, help this word to bring encouragement, Lord. I pray that it does not bring condemnation, Lord, but that it builds up, that it edifies the church as your word sets out to do that your word will not come back void. It will, it will accomplish what it has been set out to accomplish. 
Use me as a vessel, just a mouthpiece, Lord, for your word, that I would speak it, Lord, in love and with authority as you have given to me. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. The church says amen and amen. Taking it back. We're telling the enemy these are not yours. These are ours. These are ours. However hard you are, however hard you are fighting for these things, lying devil, we're going to fight even harder. Amen? How many of you are ready to take these things back? You're tired of the enemy trying to steal your joy. You're tired of the enemy trying to steal your peace. I mean, that's my peace. That is my peace. You don't get a piece of this peace, amen? It's all mine. You're not taking this relationship. This is my relationship. This is my marriage. You're not taking it. You have to want it, church. You have to fight for it. It's not going to come easy. The enemy wants it bad. I'm telling you right now, the enemy is licking his chops to get what you have, to get what God has given to you. He's jealous. He knows what it's like to be in the presence of God. And he doesn't want you to have it. He wants you to be miserable just like him. But we're not going to stand for that. We're not going to stand for that. We're going to say, no, no, lying devil, no way. You know, you made your decision. I'm making my decision, amen. I choose to serve God. And I choose to fight for these things that God has promised me. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight for it. Tonight, we tell the enemy, we're taking back this generation. We're taking back this generation. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm fighting for this generation. Tell him, you need to fight for this generation. Yes, we do. There's no denying that the enemy is after this generation. There's no denying that the enemy is after this next generation. From the abortion epidemic that's taking place. The gender confusion that you see all around us. School shootings. Mental health. All of these things. He's going after their identity. He's going after their, their mentality. And he's going after their destiny. You have to realize that. That the enemy the enemy's not, not just playing around. He plays for keeps. The Bible says that he comes to... to, to Steal, kill, and destroy. You know, steal and kill would have been enough, right? But it says destroy. What is he destroying? He, does, he's, he wants to destroy our destiny. He wants to destroy where we're going to spend eternity. Why? Because he knows heaven and hell exist. See, if we, as the body of Christ, don't reach this next generation, somebody else will. Somebody else will. 
There's plenty of things out in the world that are, that are just, just itching to grab the attention of the next generation. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You know, you and I, we didn't grow up with these things, but our kids do. They have these things at their fingertips. When we, when we try to expect the same things from them that we did growing up, we can't. Why? Because they're not living the same life. They're not living the same life. They don't face the same struggles that you faced when you were growing up. You have to realize this when you're dealing with the next generation. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36 Follow me there. We're going to read about 11 or 12 verses here. Don't worry, I read really fast. Luke 7, verse 36, we'll start there. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. He said, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and, five, and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him after? Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, Simon, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. What we learn from this story is this. Judge less, love more. Judge less, love more. Now, this is a lesson that we learn from this story here, okay? Because this is what we also need to Remember when it comes to your, the next generation. The next generation doesn't need us pointing out their faults. They need us to love them. They need us to, to show God's love. They need us to guide them in God's ways in love. That's what they need from us. Because I tell you right now, the world is pointing out all of their faults to them. The enemy is, 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 telling them, is telling them every negative thing that has taken place in their life. 
He's doing it. What we need to do as a church is to show them God's love. We need to teach them in God's ways. How do we do this? Well, we need to be that example in their life. Why this next, this next generation is looking at you and I. Oh, they look at us. They look at us closely. You might not know they're looking, but they're looking. They're looking at you as, as an example. And that's a, that's a blessed thing, that, you're, that your life can be used as a good example to the next generation. Because how many know before Christ, we weren't a good example? Amen? We, can't, we couldn't be a good example to anyone. We couldn't even handle our own issues. I was reading a survey titled this. It says, Top Five Reasons Young Adults Between the Ages of 23 and 30, Top Five Reasons Why This Age Group Say They Stopped Attending Church. And I want to read just two of them. So the number one came in at 34%. Uh, the number one reason that the young adults stopped attending church was that they moved to college and stopped going to church. Number two came in very closely at 32%. This one says, the reason for them leaving was that church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical. Hmm. This is something that I want to focus on very quickly here because this is real. This is what our young adults are saying. This is their voice speaking right here to, to, to us as a, as a church. This is why we're leaving your churches because you're too judgmental. And at times, you're even hypocritical. And this is what these young adults are telling our churches. God, help us, church, to not be guilty of passing judgment on the next generation, but instead, instead, teaching them. Instead, loving them. In, instead, spending time with them. Investing in them. Jesus told the Pharisee, you know what the difference is between you and the immoral woman? Check this out, because this is, this is an individual who thought he was doing everything right. I'm going to, you know, this and that. I'm going to church, and I'm, and I'm you know, I, I, I give my time and, 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 and I'm, I'm active in ministry and all these things and I, and I know my Bible. I know it front to back. Jesus told the Pharisee, you know what the difference is between you and the immoral woman? He tells him, he says, you judge, but she shows love. Can you imagine how he felt when Jesus said that? Can you imagine how he felt when Jesus put the immoral woman above him? Because that's what he did. He said this, as what you call a sinner, this sinner, she showed me more hospitality than you did. She loved me. You might love me with just your words, but she loved me in her actions. 
And this is what Jesus wants from us. If we are to take back this generation, it starts with loving them. It starts with, with showing that to them, demonstrating that to them. There's many things that we can point out of fault in each other, but God hasn't called us to do that. God hasn't called us to look for the imperfections in each other. God has called us to work on ourselves. Amen? Isn't that true? And when we focus on these little things that maybe the next generation might do or might wear or these kind of things, we're not really focusing on what matters. We're not, we're not having, we're not having the, the, the heart of Jesus. We're not showing that to them. Instead, we're casting judgments and we're saying, no, you need to be a cookie-cutter Christian just like me. You need to dress like me. And this is what these, these young adults are saying. All you churches are pushing us away because we feel like we're being judged. We need to give them a voice. I so appreciate our pastor because when I was growing up here in church, that's exactly what he gave us. He gave us a voice. I remember growing up and, and, and coming, to, coming to 180, you know, all, you know, all the way back from you know, our, our youth, but you know, really, you know, 180. 180 is when we made it our own. And I remember pastor letting us Make it our own. You know, we, we, came to, we came to 180. You know, it was church, right? Right, it was church. We came to church, you know, wearing things that, that, you know, you wouldn't wear to a Sunday service. And I'm sure many people were, you know, were, were just, you know, flipping their lid. Like, you know, what's going on? We're going to lose these kids. But instead, it kept them. Instead, it kept them. Amen. Instead, instead, it, it showed certain individuals that, you know what, you can be you. That God loves you for who you are. Not what others expect from you. That it doesn't matter what others are saying, what matters is what God says. Isn't that true? Allow them to utilize their ideas. Bring out their giftings, their abilities. Our next generation is, is talented. They're talented. We need to bring those out, you leaders here this evening. Bring those out in them. Allow them, allow them to, to, to uh, 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 you know, create new ways of doing things. Allow them, allow them to, to, to give, uh, you know, to impart new ideas in that ministry. Allow them to make it look a little different. Allow them the opportunity. Why? Because they're going to find themselves. As you allow them to use those giftings and abilities, they're going to find their place in the Lord. Amen? They're going to find their place. Let me tell you something. I'm not sure how many are in here tonight, but I know they're in the building. The simple fact, the simple fact that, your, that our youth, 
that our young adults are here this evening is a miracle. It's a miracle. They could be anywhere else, but guess where they decided to be? In the house of the Lord. That's a miracle, church. You should look at them and, 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 and you, should, you should applaud them and say, you know what, man, I'm so happy you're here tonight. I'm so happy. That's the, you just, oh my goodness, you just, you just made my day. You made my week. Seeing you here tonight, you could have been anywhere else, but you're in church. Hearing, hearing all these numbers of, 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 you know, these young adults and these youth leaving the church because of different reasons, we have ours here. That's a blessing. Don't ever forget that. Don't allow yourself to focus on petty little things when God is doing great things in their lives. Second point is this. This is, this is a very fun one. I know we like doing fun things. Second one is this. Share your story. Share your story. The next generation wants to hear your story. The next generation feeds. They feed off of, off of your story. You know, I think of Nowadays, and I think of all the technology, and, 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 and once again, I did not grow up in the social media uh, 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 arena and, 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 and time, but these kids do, and they have so much access. These young adults, these teenagers, they're so interested in other people's lives. And I would say even older adults are too. <laughs> Except for me, because I don't have social media. <laughs> Too much, too much time. But we're so interested in other people's lives. What is so-and-so doing? I wonder where they're going to eat. I don't care where you're eating. <laughs> I want to know, where's my food? <laughs> what am I eating today? Where did they go for the weekend? And all these things, they're so interested in other people's stories. Isn't that so true? Think about it. They could be on their phone all day long looking at what someone else is doing. Personally, I don't get it, but they do. They love it. They feed off it. Psalm 145 verse 4 says this, One generation will praise your works to another and will declare your mighty acts. See, this generation may be involved in less in-person interaction, but they are very interested in what others are doing or have done. I guarantee you tonight that our youth, our young adults, are interested in your story. Do they know the chapters and steps in your life that have, t that have brought you to where you're at right now? Do they know how you became a leader? Do they know how you became a ministry worker? 
Do they know how you became a pastor? Do they know how you found yourself in this church? Do they know this? Do they know all the miraculous things that God has done in your life? Share with them. Share with them how you grew up. Share with them all the obstacles that you had to, that you had to get over in your life to get to where you're at. Tell them how God brought you out of that old life and into a new one. Tell them. They want to hear it. I guarantee you, they want to hear it. All day long, they're on their phones looking at other people's stories. Share with them yours. How God's mighty power turned your life around. It wasn't just by you just coming to church day after day after day after day. No, there was a lot more. There was a lot more involved in that because there was real struggles that took place. The struggle was just getting to church. <laughs> Share with them those struggles. Why? Because that way, when they face them, and they will, they will, when they face them, they won't feel like they're alone. When those relationships they are in or may encounter don't work out, they know, hey, no, 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 no. God is going to give me that perfect person. I'm not sweating it. I'm not worried. This isn't the end of my life. God's got me. He's got the best for me. See, church, if he did it for us, he can do it for them. Isn't that true? He did it for you and I. He could do it for them. This, this next generation, a lot of them are churched, raised in church, just as I was. We didn't get delivered from all these crazy things. You know, we, we hear stories and, and, and things like that, but we didn't experience those same things. We have to have different experiences in our lives. And we have them. I'll tell you right now, speaking from experience, as a church kid growing up here, oh, I've had experiences where I know God is real. Where I know that, that it, it, you know, it didn't have to take me being, me being um, saved from this or that or this or that. Oh, God saved me in different ways, amen? God, God changed me in different ways. God showed me in different ways. You see, God always has a different way of bringing us to where he wants us. Doesn't he? Each of us have different journeys, don't we? Did any of you travel the same road? No. You all had different journeys. You may have met somewhere down that journey, but then you went your different paths again. Now God has us together here as the body of Christ for us to make a difference. All those different paths now come together and unite. We have one goal. We serve one God. One vision. And one mighty army. Second Peter 
chapter 1, verse 16 says this, for we, are, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven and we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. And this is exactly how God uses those supernatural experiences in our lives. He does it to build our faith. You see, it's those experiences that took place in your life that maybe a week before you were about to give up. Remember that? You were thinking, how is this going to be? How is God going to use this for the good? And what happened? God's supernatural power at work in your life happened. And now you're able to have your faith built because of what God did and what you experienced. That's how God uses our lives. That's how God uses our obstacles in our lives. That's how God uses those things that, may, that we call impossible. We call them impossible, and God makes it possible. God is going to give them opportunities to see his mighty power in action. So they need, they need to hear our story. Marriages, you married couples here, they need to hear your love story. The next generation loves love stories. I'll tell you that right now. They do. They want to they hear how you met. They want to hear, you know, where you went on your first date. You know, don't give them too much info, all right? <laughs> keep, it, keep it PG. <laughs> but they want to hear. They want to hear how God blessed your life. They want to hear the struggles that you encountered as well. They want to hear the real life. Give them your story. Lastly here is teach them to last. Teach them to last. You know, we can come up with clever ideas to gain the attention of, but nothing takes the place of the formula to make lasting Christ followers. Number one is, as always, is reading God's word. They need to have knowledge of him. The next generation needs to know God. They need to know his word. They need to know his voice. Why? Because there are so many voices in this world that are speaking to them. So many different things that are telling them this and that. And a lot of them, they don't know between right and wrong. They don't know what God's word says in regards to what they're hearing right now or in comparison to. And so they need to know and read God's word. Today, the Bible is viewed as just one of the many voices that interpret human experience. It no longer is viewed as the central authority. Mm. 
Wow. God's word that you and I know, that you and I trust, that you and I stand on, that you and I believe in. Our faith is in God's word. This generation, God's word has lost all authority. It is now just one of the many voices out there. Just one of the things that you can read if you want to. They need to know the importance and value of God's word. How many know that, there's, that there is extreme value in the word of God? Amen? Oh, it's so valuable. We can't, we can't get through our days without it. Because it guides and directs us. The formula for lasting Christ followers, not only reading God's word, but it's prayer and fasting. As we know, we're going to have our prayer and fasting before our summit. Why? Because we know that it is crucial. If we're going to see a revival take place, if, we're gonna, if we want to see a move from God like we have not seen, then we need to pray and fast. You need to get a hold of God. You need to forsake all other things and feed yourself the word. See, it's through prayer and fasting that we see the supernatural move of God in our lives. And it's through those supernatural workings that we see in our lives that we believe that God is who he says he is. I believe God is real. I've seen him move. I've seen him operate in my life. In closing, as the worship team comes forward this evening, I want to read this quote by John Wesley. He says this. He says, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. See, if you and I settle for the standards of this world, especially in regards to topics like abortion, topics like gender, we pass on compromise to the next generation. The next generation needs to see you and I take a stand for righteousness. They need to see it. They need to see that we take a stand for what God stands for. Amen. That God stands for life. Amen. He stands for life. And he stands for the reproduction of life. Amen. And there are certain ways that those can take place. And they need to see us stand for righteousness in a world that is lost, in a world that is confused. The world's going to be confused. Why? Because they don't know Christ. They're going to be confused. The body of Christ should not. God help us when the body of Christ becomes confused of who they are. The enemy seeks to take away identity. Who you are. Who God made you. Your purpose.
when you and I take stands for righteousness, understand that you're taking a stand for the next generation. You're saying, you know what? I care about your future. I care so much that I'm taking these stands for righteousness. It's not just for me, it's for you. I want you to see what it takes to take a stand. I want you to see that it is possible when everyone else is going this way, that we're gonna go this way. It doesn't matter what the world says, we stand for righteousness. We stand with God. And when God is on your side, it doesn't matter how large the opposition, God is always greater. When you stand for righteousness, righteousness always wins. They need to see that. Church, we need to take back this next generation. We need to take it back. This is crucial. This is so important to the future of the church. That we understand the importance of this investment. And we need to teach them just as we were taught, just as we have experienced what it takes to last. And this is what you and I need to build up. Lasting fruit. Just like Joshua said, be strong and courageous. Why? Because God is with you wherever you go. He's with you wherever you go. So you can be, you can be bold. You don't have to be afraid. As we take a stand, God is going to stand with us. As we fight, God is going to fight for us. As we lead and encourage the next generation, God is going to empower them. He's going to empower them to do everything that he has purposed for them to do. And the enemy will not take them. Amen. The enemy will not rob them. That thief, he's not going to have his way. Why? Because we're robbing the thief. Amen. <laughs> we're robbing that thief of what he thinks was his, never was in the first place. It never was his. We're taking it back. We're fighting. And we're going to fight till the very last breath that we have. Because that's what God has called us to do. We're fighting for the future. Fight for the future. Those individuals that you won't even, you might not even see how God operates in their life because we might not be here. Oh, but we have imparted in their lives. Oh, but you have, you have, you have invested 
they will never forget. I will never, ever forget those who made investments in my life. I'll never forget it. Even, even when they're, even when they're uh, in heaven, I will never forget what they've done. I will never forget the time they took to invest in my life. So crucial. Let's take it back, church. Let's take it back. This month, August, we're taking it all back. We're taking it all back. You need to invite someone out. If they've been missing out on these things, invite them out and say, you know what? We're taking it all back. You need to be here Wednesday evening because we're going to take it back. Whatever it was that you feel was, was taken from you, no, no, no. God is going to restore back to you. Let's take it back together, amen? Let's take it back because it is not the enemy's. It is yours. God, God says it is yours. He says it is yours. And in Jesus' name, amen, in Jesus' name, we are going to be victorious. The battle is his. The battle is his. But God has called us to fight. God has called you and I to fight. And if you're ready to fight this evening, I want you to give God praise. 